Thank you so, so much. Please have a seat. Wow. <laughs> I love to listen to the introductions that people give. Because you're like looking around the room going, who, who are they talking about? <laughs> and then you realize they're talking about you, right? But here's how I introduce myself. My name is Nancy McCready, and I'm a foolish thing. <laughs> All right? And I just need to know if there's any former fools in the house today. <laughs> right? See, I got to know that my people are here. Amen? That I've been sent to the right place because my Bible tells me that God is about to use the foolish things. Come on, somebody. The foolish things. God is about to take those whom everybody else thought they were down, they were out, they were finished, it was over. People point and say, that person is so stupid. Nobody else in here ever had anybody point to you and say, that person is so stupid. And let me tell you what, when God starts to move in the formerly stupid people, and he becomes the God of infinite wisdom inside of you. <laughs> Let me just tell you, hell is not going to know what hit it when we get up. Come on now. We have somewhere to go today, and I just want to tell you, I already decided that I liked you before I got here, and you've got about two minutes to decide that you like me because we've got somewhere to go. Amen? I am so honored that Pastor Chuck and Karen would not just invite me here, but would decide that there might be the opportunity for partnership for what it is that God has written over this place. Pastor Tina and I have known each other for many years, and I am so glad to be here with her. I have heard about New Harvest Church for many, many years, and to be here is so literally fantastic and such an honor. I bring greetings to you from my very amazing husband, Wynn McCrady. And uh, he is in Texas today, and he has sent me here to be with you. And there is a sense of sovereignty, my friends, over this house. Do you mind if we just jump right in? We have got somewhere to go today. And the sense of sovereignty on this house is very, very thick. What that means is, my friends, is there was something written down before time. And when we start stepping into that which was written down before time, my friends, I'm going to tell you, it's smooth. Come on, how many of you are ready hmm, for the smooth movement of God? Because He has had a plan all along. We don't determine it, we're discovering it. We're stepping in to what he's already done. My Bible tells me that he has prepared works in advance for us. Hmm? See, the enemy likes to take things and taint them. He likes to make works sound like something horrible. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a work coming out of this house. There is going to be something coming out of this house, which means out of you that was written down before time. 
Now, I hope that you take notes. I have slides. You're going to be able to see all of the words so that you can know, Pastor Chuck, I am telling the truth. Amen. That's why you have slides when you go traveling. Is you got to make sure that people know that what you're saying is what comes straight from the Word of God. So, can we get started, my friends? We have somewhere to go today. I have been sent on assignment because there is a massive assignment on this house. Hmm? My name is Nancy McCready. Make ready. Hmm? Luke 1.17. Make ready a people in spirit for the Lord. To make you ready for what's already been written down. So, I have noticed that there are people that are mesmerized when many move as one. Have you ever seen a marching band? And you look and you're like, how did all those people move together like that? Right? Anybody in here remember years ago the river dance? I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to try it. Right? I mean, I got my little boots on, but we're not going to try it. But... But do you understand? Do you remember the river dance? I would watch that and be mesmerized. I was like, how did those men and women move together like that as one? Have you ever gone to hear an orchestra or a symphony? Wow. All those different instruments, and yet they make this unbelievable sound. And everyone stops and takes notice, don't they? Everyone begins to watch in such a way because they're like, wow, look at how they are able to move as one. So I want to, in the context of that image that you have in your mind, I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 12 from the Message Bible. Now I want you to understand I have somewhere to go today, and everything that Pastor Chuck said this morning is the kiss of God to me that what I heard him tell me to share that we are on the right track. Amen? And I am so glad that my voice is going to reiterate what the voice of this house has been already sharing with you this morning as Pastor Chuck shared. 1 Corinthians 12 out of the Message Bible. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you are still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. <laughs> we need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, the word says, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged 
and functioning together. As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. Let me pray over you. Now, Father, I thank you for the word today. And I thank you that you're going to pitch the tent of your presence over this place, Father. Because you are looking, Father, not for where you can visit, but for where you can live. Where you can come, Father, and you can literally begin to move as who you are. And your presence in each one, Father, and your presence literally magnified and multiplied in this house, Father, for your sovereign purposes. This is what we endeavor for today, Father. Let every person, Father, hear you and see you and themselves inside of you and your magnificent body right here known as New Harvest Church. I thank you for it, and I bless you, Father, now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see, this phenomenon of moving as one was really started because of what Jesus said in John 17, and I want to read it. As he went to the cross, he was praying that the many would be able to move as one. In John 17, out of the Message Bible, Jesus himself prayed. I'm praying not only for them, he said to the Father, but also for those who will believe in me. Because of them and their witness about me, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature. Oh, yes, they will. They will be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you have sent me and loved them in the same way that you have loved me. Do you believe that Jesus' prayer is going to be answered? I do. And I'm laboring towards that end, and I believe that prayer will be answered right here within this people known as New Harvest Church. You see, he said, one heart and mind with us. Who is us? It is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They have written down a word, my friends, and they are working their word, and they're working their plan, and that's why I can tell you that plan A is still on. Is there anybody here that's taken route B through Z like I have? Anybody here? All right, and you think you've got to settle for a lesser destiny? Well, let me tell you what, that doesn't wash in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we are, plan A is still on. And he's going to bring you back up into what he wrote down before time because you don't have a big enough eraser to erase the word that God has spoken over you. You see, they have been having conversations, my friends, before the foundations of the world about you. And I've got proof. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. Listen to me carefully. They've been talking about you. Oh, they have written a word over you. 
Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says, even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy, consecrated, and set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. For he foreordained us and destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will because it pleased him and it was his kind intent. And when it says there that he adopted you as children, listen to me carefully, that word is in the absolute context of that God has always wanted fully maturing sons. Listen to me carefully. Fully maturing sons. Now, who else in here, like me, is glad to know that it didn't say that they chose you out before the foundations of the world so that you could be a nice, well-behaved Christian? Come on, somebody tell me. Right? Because some of y'all know you're not nice. Come over here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. You know that you're not. I'm going to find me somebody. Somebody right here. You know that you are not nice, and I am your preacher. You are going to be so glad to know that this is not the goal of Christianity for you to be well-dressed, well-behaved, sitting in a pew. You listen to me carefully. You were marked out by God so that you could be a son to him. Be you male or female, be you Jew or Greek, no matter what your externals look like or don't look like, my friends, you were chosen by God, and he said, I'll have Miguel. I will have him. I will take him. I'll have Audia. I will have them. That's who I want. I want them. He calls you by name, and he says, I've been talking about you for an awfully long time. Listen to me carefully. When you begin to incline your ear and you begin to hear what God has been saying about you, you are going to have the opportunity to be able to respond. You are going to have the opportunity, not just make decisions, but a decision to respond to them. They have wanted sons. This is why I can tell you that you don't just do the will of God, you are the will of God. I'm going to tell you again, I never get tired of saying this. Many people spend their whole life trying to figure out what they're supposed to do, and they never know who they be, who they are to them, hmm? the divine us, <laughs> the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you don't just do the will of God, my friends. You are the will of God. You are who he has wanted. He has wanted sons. There is one of my favorite quotes by A.W. Tozer. It says, every man must choose his world. I'm hoping that you're going to choose the world of the Father, that you're going to choose him back, that when you begin to realize that he has chosen you out, he knew everything you understand what it means before the foundations of the world? That's before there was a devil. That's before all your foolishness. That's before the fall, before all the trauma or success of your life, before sin, before everything. Do you understand he wrote over you, that you belonged to him in Christ, in Christ. And every man must choose his world. And when Tozer said that, he was provoking the people of God to decide, my Father's world is my world. 
his kingdom, his culture is mine also. But you see, much of the frustration that Christians experience is oftentimes because they're still living, come on somebody, in the tension of two worlds. Hmm? Do you understand what the tension means? You got one foot one place, one foot another. Hmm? I'm telling you, you're about to pitch one direction or the other right now. There is a time that is coming in the not-too-distant future where you are going to be given the privilege of making an informed decision. How many of you know you can make an ignorant decision? Thank you, Nancy. That's so awesome what you just said. Thank you. Right? You can make ignorant decisions because you didn't have all the information. Oh, God's going to make sure you have all the information. Hmm? So that you can make the most informed decision so that you can get with him and begin to move with him. You see, God wants everything about him in circulation. That's why money is called currency. <laughs> that is why God likes his wealth in movement. He wants, there's electricity, there's blood within you. Everything moves. And God, my friends, is moving. God is moving, and we would be wise to move with him. We don't want to be those that resent the decision, that resent the requirement. Hmm? Does our Bible not say that to whom much is given, much is required? My friends, we've been given his very life, his very nature. We've been given his presence, and to whom much is given, much shall be required. Hmm? So I submit to you that oftentimes we have lost sight of what the call really was to us as his sons. That we may have forgotten why it is that we came alive from the dead. Hmm? See, you're not just going from evil to good. We were those who were dead. We were separated from life himself. And he came and by putting his very life within us, he brought us alive. Because there is about to be movement in the house of God. Title of my message today, Symphony of Sons. Symphony of Sons. My father wants a symphony of sons that are moving as one with him and with each other. That's what our opening scripture said. Because then, my friends, anything can happen. Do you believe that? Anything can happen if we begin to move with them and we begin to move with each other as who we actually are, his people, his body. But what we often do not recognize or see in an orchestra, in a symphony, in the river dance, in a marching band, unless you've been in one of those, Oftentimes, what we do not see in this learning how to move, all right, as one when you bring many members together, is that oftentimes, my friends, we have not recognized that they all had to be in a private practice room. Before an orchestra plays together, moves together as one, what has to happen is they all go in to their own private practice room. Where is Porter? Where is Porter? Is he here? 
Oh, right in front of me. I've been healed of my blindness. Thank you. There's a miracle in the house. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Right? So, Porter, have you ever spent time playing just by yourself? Right. So you mean all that that we just saw, you didn't just step right up here and do that. Right? See, anybody in here that's ever had to do anything on a team knows that before there was team, there was one. Hmm? Come on now. We're going somewhere. Hmm? Now, if I had been really organized, I would have the little videotape of this, you know, a little YouTube clip, but I wasn't feeling anointed to be organized today. So I want you to just bear with me. I want you to bear with me. If you went into a music conservatory, now keep this picture of this symphony of sons with you because I'm depositing something that's about to serve the vision of this house. If you went into a music conservatory and you walked down the hallway, right, Porter, and there's all these uh, practice rooms on either side, and you were to stand there, and there's a clip of this on YouTube, and it's about 30 seconds long, and you walk down that hallway, this is what you would hear. It is the, it sounds like they slaughtering chickens up at the music conservatory. Are you with me? Is this not right? I'm telling you, you got all these individual people in their private practice room, all right, and it just sounds like squawks. It's off pitch sometimes. They're in there thrashing about. They can't get it right. They're trying to hit those chords. Am I telling the truth? And I mean, it is a God-awful sound if ever you've heard it. You see, while all those players move independently, you know what? They don't cross the goal line. They might not hit the full symphonic sound. They don't bring the audience to their feet when they're in their private practice room. But what is happening in that private practice room, my friends, is they are getting well-tuned. They are getting skilled and sharpened. But it does not sound like it. I want you to understand before there is a public performance, my friends, there is a sound that you will think, what in the world has happened to us? I am here to prepare you for the full process of the full sound that can come. But you let all of them come together out of their workout, out of their training. Let them all come out of their private practice room where they have been getting fine-tuned, where their own crushing of their own individual will to a degree, all right, all of these things have been happening and what will be the result is of all that determined that all their practice in private has actually made them a what? A sharper member. Is this not true? Hmm? Oh, and trust me, the audience will take notice. Hmm? The audience will take notice. That's what Jesus said. If they all begin, all of the members begin to move as one with us, what did he say? The world will take notice. Hmm? You and your individual swag, my friends, let me just help you. You and your individual, right, thinking I'm just going to move about, right? See, we have been fit together. We have been fit together by God because God, my friends, has a plan. 
The audience will take notice, not because you made much of yourself, but because of what happened in that private practice room. And that sharpening and all of that, getting rid of certain things and letting him begin to literally cause the stellar, the stellar sound within you begin to come forward and begin to emerge. But every instrument, if you will, must present itself to the conductor of the symphony. Do you agree? Hmm? Come on now, we're going somewhere. I forgot to tell you, this is a family meeting, and I'm just telling a story. Hmm? I'm beginning to unfold this aspect of the story for you. Romans 6, 13 through 16 says, Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments and tools of wickedness. But offer and yield yourselves to God as though you, as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life, and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. Do you hear that? It's talking about you. Hmm? It's talking about you being an instrument. One of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah 41.10 through 16, and you can read it in its entirety later, says, Fear not, there is nothing to fear, for I am with you. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed, overwhelmed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of rightness and justice. Listen to me carefully. This is how God's going to help you. He says, behold, I will make you to be a new, sharp, threshing instrument which has teeth. And you shall thresh the mountains and beat them small and shall make the hills like chaff. So I'm bringing you two scriptures that talk to you about the fact, my friends, that you are an instrument of God. You don't just have an instrument. You're not just like, you know, a, the, the, the handyman that wears a tool belt around. And as a Christian, you're just going to pull out your hammer. You're going to pull out, you know, your screwdriver here and there. Do you all understand what I'm saying? You're not wearing a tool belt, my friends. You are the weapon. You are the tool of righteousness. God wants sons. God is looking to build a certain kind of person, and he and Holy Spirit and Jesus, they know how to build their sons. They know whatever they birth, they're going to build. Whatever they make, they're going to mature. You can know that God is getting ready to work inside of you. He says, I have made you. This is how I'm going to help you. He says, I have made you a new, sharp, threshing instrument. One of the reasons I'm here today is to awaken the weapon inside of you, is to awaken you to what it is that God is about to do inside of you. You see, I don't want to inspire you and then have you wander home with rapidly evaporating inspiration. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Let me say it this way. Excitement evaporates. Do you understand? I'm not here to excite you, but you probably had already figured it out because you're probably not excited, right? You're not excited. Hmm? See, y'all will be all calm. It'll be Pastor Chuck and, and Pastor Tina taking me to my car because I'm going to be like all excited because I'm like, man, I delivered that word today. 
Man, everybody else like, oh, okay, yeah, that was special. Thank you. Thank you so much. But let me just tell you about the time I'm taking off in that plane this afternoon. Boom, it's going to go off inside of you. <laughs> and I will be flying in the skies going, that's all right. That's all right. You're going to catch it. And boom, it's going to start to awaken inside of you. You see, my friends, I'm not here to excite you. Something that will evaporate by the time you wake up from your nap this afternoon. I'm here so you can make a decision to head to the practice room, to the private practice room, the private secret place where your father waits for you, to the private sharpening room. Many of you have been running to the panic room. Anybody ever heard of the panic room? Y'all seen this in movies before where wealthy people build this really sharp-looking room so in case anybody comes to harm them, the whole family runs to the panic room, hits the button, and they can stay in there. They've got all their provisions, and they can stay there. Well, we got to come out of our panic rooms. We've got to get into our practice room, my friends, which is better known as the presence room. It's where he is. You're not going to have to convince your father to meet you there. He's been waiting for you, my friends. I want you to begin to get hungry, hungry for his presence, for him and the room that he has set aside for you and him to awaken you to the reasons that you exist. I'm here to awaken the instrument inside of you. Because you see, my friends, you're not only the will of God, you're the weapon of God. You are the weapon of God. Sword in his hands. Mm. One of my favorite quotes, I'll say that about three times. All right, don't think I'm lying. They're just all my favorites, okay? But I love this one. It says, if it takes me six hours to chop down a tree, I'd be wise to spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. My friends, we've been out with our dull blade about to hurt ourselves, just literally just trying to do whatever it is that we can do. But listen to me carefully. You take the first four hours. If you're going to chop down a tree, you better get in your private practice room. You get in there and you let him begin to do something. Listen to me. I'm not talking about just your favorite chair where you get you a cup of coffee, have your General Foods International coffee moment. Because some of do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes if we're not careful, we can't get in the mood for God unless we got just the right CD playing. I want to get you to a place where you realize 24-7 you're the mobile sanctuary of the living God. You're the mobile sanctuary of the living God. Do you understand what I'm saying? He lives inside of you, my friends. He's not in your recliner. He's inside of you. I got a chair at my house. You got a chair at your house? I got a chair at my house. I sit there most mornings with my hair shooting straight up, looking like a rooster, right? Y'all understand what I'm talking about? Got my robe on, and, you know, I'm just like shuffling through my house, just trying to remember my name and my assignment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you get to that place, and you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you that I am not my body. I am not my hair. Thank you, Jesus. I belong to you. I am born of you. And he starts to speak to you. When that begins to happen, my friends, and listen to me carefully. I'm not putting any pressure on you. You can't produce that. 
You better hear what I'm hearing. Don't make me pull this pulpit over right now and spank you right here. I'll pull this pulpit over. I'm telling you, listen to me carefully. What I'm talking about, you don't produce. He produces it in you. Basically, you show up. How about you try it tomorrow? You just shuffle on up in your house tomorrow. You shuffle it through there like I don't even know if I'm saved. I can't even remember my name. Hmm? Oh, don't worry. He's got his eye on you. They've been having conversations about you. They created that private practice room. And when you walk in, you don't have to produce it. Is anybody in here like me maybe was a performance freak? Anybody know what I'm talking about? A performance freak. I would resist praying at times because I thought I had to produce the prayer. Anybody else? I would get tired before I'd even start praying. Because I thought I had to shout for 30 minutes. Listen, let me tell you, I tell Tina this all the time. I get up, and when I get up to go pray, basically, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go think with God for a little while. Because I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to pray until he starts talking to me. He says, Nancy, this is what we're doing today. I said, is that what we're doing? <laughs> Praise God. Right? Do you all understand what I'm saying? I want to make you hungry for the real thing. Hmm? We're not talking about we're just going to have a quiet time. I'm telling you what, we oh, don't even, i got to wait and stay in the order of my notes. You're, you're witnessing a miracle right here, right now, right now before your very eyes. I'm going to stay on these notes. Yes, I am. Oh, yes, I am. But let me tell you what, the axe is about to get sharp. I, if I was going to prophesy something, like what in the world does all that mean? We're going to prophesy. I'm going to tell you what God says. <laughs> it's that if you get with him, my friends, he knows how to sharpen his sons. He knows what to do. We're not here to pull up a few weeds, my friends. We're about to cut down trees. We're about to clear land. My goodness, we're about to take down mountains. Do you understand what I'm talking about? We're not just talking about, oh, we're just going to pull up a little weeds. I'm talking about you're going to be such an instrument of righteousness. And when it happens, my friends, boom, those things are going to be laid out. And they'll pull up stumps. I tell you, I'd like to just go through and pull up trees by the root. How about y'all? Come on now. I'm telling you, God is about to do something in us that we've only dreamed of. And he made you dream it. If he made you dream it, my friends, that means he is going to do it because the king of glory is coming. I heard Portis sing it. I said, thank God I've already got a slide for it. They'll know that I was already going to say it. Oh, I just love it when that happens, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? The king of glory is about to come. And my friends, let me tell you where the king of glory lives. The king of glory lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. And glory is about to come out of your guts. Boy, I wish I'd had a slide for that right there. The glory is about to come out of your guts, my friends. It's not a green mist that's coming up under that door. It's not going to fall out of the sky. It's going to come out of you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is real. This is him coming, and he's coming through his people. He's coming through his sons. He's always wanted to move as one with you. Oh, my friends, my friends, my brethren. Oh, how I am so glad to be able to tell you this. 
this is why I want you to know that the enemy is doing everything he can to dull you because you are called to be a sharp instrument. He wants to blunt your blade like nobody's business. He wants your full cooperation to keep it dull too because let me tell you, there's a process when God starts to sharpen a son. Ooh, let me tell you what. I'll tell you about those things later maybe. <laughs> but when you get into the private practice room, listen to me. Oh, he begins to do things that you were never meant to do for yourself. Whatever dullness there is, I assure you this. Every member of a symphony, when they do this, every person, when they present themselves and their members, listen, you will have to eventually consider the cost. But first, I want you to know the value of the one who is calling you. I don't want to just stand here and say, oh, yeah, it's going to cost you this and that. Cost you what? My friend, you've given up hell. That's all it's going to cost you. You understand what I'm trying to say to you? What am I going to have to give up? I tell people, hell. That's what you're going to have to give up. The hell of your wickedness, the hell of your goodness, the hell of literally trying to handle life on your own. All you're going to have to do is give up hell. That is where you can consider the cost. But, oh, I want you to know the value of the one who is calling you. The enemy wants to lull you to dull you. Mm -hmm, that's not just clever. That's true. Do you understand that doesn't just rhyme? That's true. Lullabies and good nights. You understand? Let me tell you, the enemy, he's been putting the church to sleep. But when God comes, let me tell you, he's going to awaken you. He's going to awaken who he made you to be. And I want to make sure that when you get up, I want to make sure that you know the truth. Matthew 7, 13 in the Message Bible says, don't look for shortcuts. Come on now. You were made for this. You don't even really, actually, really, truly, you don't really even have to really like me. <laughs> I love it when you're not even required to like the people that bring the message. Hmm? The message will still work. Come on. Come on now. Mm. Mm. You can even feel a little agitated. As a matter of fact, I can almost guarantee it. You feel some agitation within you as God begins to awaken you, begins to bring you up. Some of you, when you come out of anesthetic, you might even feel a little nauseated. Anybody? That's not in my notes, but anybody here ever come out of anesthetic and just got all disoriented? That could happen, but that's all right. God's going to straighten you out. Whatever it is, your father is going to take care of you. See, because we're headed somewhere. Remember, the title of my message is A Symphony of Sons. Don't look for shortcuts, you mighty, mighty instruments of God. The market is flooded, the word goes on to say, with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Hmm? He's about to call you to total attention. Mm. 
You see, you have a new master, my friends, if you're born again, a new conductor. He's not going to lead you to take shortcuts. He's not here for you to make a little whistle. You're not here to just whistle Dixie as you move along. There's about to be, come on now, a sound. Oh, there's about to be a sound. You, my friends, have a new master, a new conductor. My friends, you have a father, therefore you have a future. You have a father, therefore you have a future. And a father that knows that you have a future, that wrote that future down for you, is going to call you up to a place of real training, of real sharpness, and of the true discipline of sons. It's proof that he loves you and that you have a future. My friends, you're not being punished. You're being prepared. You are being prepared by your new conductor, by the new master of your life. You're called to be sanctified, set apart your whole being aside for him. You see, this is how Jesus lived, and he is the son. And all of the sons will come in the trail, if you will, of the son. You see, Jesus was in his practice room for 30 years. Come on now. Jesus wasn't on automatic pilot. Jesus was in his practice room for 30 years being sharpened, becoming discerning, hearing wisdom from above, having his impulses tempered by Holy Spirit. And when it was time and the father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, let me tell you what, boom, he came out of that private practice room. And let me tell you, the greatest sword ever, ever wielded by God was seen by man. Jesus was the greatest weapon that God ever wielded in the earth. And as it was with the first son, so he wants it to be with his many sons. Have you heard this? Romans 8, 29 and 30 says that he is the first of many brethren. Hmm? He is the first. He was never meant to be the only son. Now, he's the only one who's son of God, son of man. But he was never meant to be the only son. The whole reason that he came, my friends, was to bring you home to the Father. Oh, to bring you home. Romans 6, 13 through 16 in the Message Bible says... All your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you've started listening to a new master, a new conductor, whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. This isn't about goose-stepping to some man's cleverness or ingenuity. This isn't about some leadership principle, my friends. This is about the many that move as one by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. You can refer back to the opening scripture, 1 Corinthians 12. That's what it said. We come to this one fountain. This one fountain is his spirit. My friends, what I'm talking about, you can't produce. It's not synthetic. It's not man-made. It is organic. John 15 tells us this in the Message Bible. This is organic and intimate. It is something that's happening deep within you, and then you present yourself to the conductor. The conductor sits you where it is that he thinks you will best 
<laughs> you will best release a sound. And if you, if you present yourself in private, my friends, to be dealt with as with sons, not as misbehaving sinners. Listen to me carefully. Everything I'm telling you, I could drill a well so deep and talk for hours to tell you about how God does this. But listen to me carefully. In the time that I have, I want you to understand this is organic. This is something that your father loves to do. He loves to tend to you, loves to take care of you, loves to bring his wisdom to you. He loves to perform it within you. You are about to be honed, not hyped. Oh, no more hyping up the body of Christ. You're about to be honed as that sharp axe. You're going to be skilled. You're going to be built. You're going to be developed. You're going to learn your father's world. It's called the slow burn of discipleship, my friends. Discipleship is sonship. Hmm? This is where God begins to get you in your private practice room. I bet Pastor Chuck would agree with me as a pastor that I've been for 20 years up until about three years ago when God began to shoot me out and send me to many other places. Listen to me carefully. We keep trying to produce something from the public pulpit that he wants to produce in private. Oh, I'm telling you, the pastors that I start to work with, they get really glad about this because they're about to kill over, gutting something from the public pulpit because it's true. You herald it, you will make it possible, but let me tell you what, the public pulpit was never meant to do inside of you what only Holy Spirit does for the sons of the living God. Oh, but this pulpit heralds it, this pulpit makes it available. I tell you, he's about to swing wide the doors here in this absolute sovereign move of God that he's about to bring right here to you at New Harvest. I'm here today to provoke you, to create a hunger in you for what God has already produced through the cross of Jesus Christ. I tell you in private, every person, every weapon presenting themselves to God, to the conductor, but listen to me carefully, there's about to be a public performance. Because when everybody that's in their private work, the private practice room, when everybody is out there letting God do a work inside of them, there's going to come a moment when God taps that podium and every instrument of righteousness comes to attention. When the Father says, listen to me carefully. Father is about tap his stand. You will have been tuned to him in the private practice room. You will not be goose-stepping clones. You will be the unique sons with all of the diversity that he has put within you. Fivefold ministry leaders and giftings are about to serve your life like they've never served you before. My friends, you don't serve me. I serve you. To come and to pass to you that which he has given. You're about to hit your developmental maturity markers. You're about to start walking, living, moving, so that you will be able to say as a person and as a house, if you've seen us, you've seen our Father. 
because we walk like him. We talk like him. He is about to tap the baton on the podium and everybody that's been with him in private, letting him work as he does in the work of discipleship, they are about to start coming to attention and every instrument of righteousness is going to bring their best game. Ooh, because the only motivation for what I'm talking about is him. And when you've been with him in private, you like, Father, you have satisfied me so deeply. What is it that you want? What is it, Father, that you are after? They become the weapon. They become the instrument. Listen up, Pastor Chuck. And there is a sound. Oh, and that, that, that symphony orchestra, that many-membered body of Christ, they're watching him. There's a church in Iowa. There's a church over here in Florida. There's churches in Texas and in Poland. And when he begins to tap that, I'm going to tell you what, they each begin to come to attention. You might play the horn, you might be the drum, I don't know what instrument and all that you will be, but when he hits that stand, everybody's going to come to attention. I had it written down and I had a slide before Pastor Chuck got up, Isaiah 42, 10. He spoke of Isaiah 42, 13. I have Isaiah 42, 10 that says, Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, the islands and coastal regions, and the inhabitants of them, sing a song such as the heathen world has never heard. My friends, there is a sound coming from this symphony of sons that the world has never heard. It's the oneness of the Father and His sons moving together. God is at work. And a sound from the glades such as the heathen world has never heard is about to resound from this house. And when the lost and the prodigals hear it, they're coming home. And this is a pioneering house, and you best get ready. I got my finger out. <laughs> I might be warning you about something. Listen to me carefully. Oh, get ready, you pioneering house. You didn't just pioneer 30-some-odd years ago. Oh, there's such a fresh oil of pioneering that is being poured within you. Get ready. Multitudes are coming home to the Father because that's the sound that you're going to make. It's not notice me. It's come to Him. Come to Him. The axe has to be sharpened, my friends. Remember, we're not cutting weeds. We're clearing trees. We're clearing the land. Things that have kept people from God for years are about to go down. Oh, I've been waiting the whole sermon to say this one. Hold on. Hold on. I might be the only one that gets excited about this. I might even be the only one that understands it when I say it. But, my friends, when you go into your God-given territory, there might be Jebusites on that territory. There might be Canaanites. There might be Hittites. <laughs> there might be Amalekites. But when the favorites show up, let me tell you what. <laughs> oh, my. When the favorites, is it on the screen behind me? Is it up there? Do you understand? It's the word favorite. Oh, when the favorites show up, every other ite better get on out of the land. Oh, come on. 
Listen, whatever you're clapping for right now, I tell you what, you better duck and roll, my friends. You better duck and roll. And don't forget that I said so because I'm not here to just get you excited for a minute. I'm here to tell you Pastor Tina's been sent on assignment. Pastor Chuck and Karen are on assignment. I'm telling you, listen to me carefully. If you think I look a little crazy, my friends, I've been sent to you. <laughs> and who God brings to you is an indicator of what he's about to do in you. And oh, the favorites. Because when you get in that private practice room and he starts telling you who you are to him, that you've got favor that was written down before time. You've got a favor for your assignment. And once you get in, my friends, don't you forget why you're there. Don't you get overly enamored with, you know, who's paying attention to you. You better put your hand to the plow and keep moving. Because oftentimes every move of God that God brings, everybody gets overly impressed with themselves, overly impressed with the new celebrities. Y'all know what celebrities are. They're the church celebrities. Uh huh. Listen to me carefully, my friends. You are the favorites. God is coming to you. He's going to move through you. It is going to happen. It is going to, there is going to be a symphony of sons, the many-membered body of Christ will no longer be mocked and ridiculed just dancing the happy charismatic jig on the edge of town. You're about to go into the center of the citadel, my friends. You're about to go in. You are about to go in in the favor that God has given you. And I'm telling you this, that mocking thing that would tell you you're only going to be on the outside of town. Oh, my friends, you're about to be the town. Come on, you're about to be the citadel, the center, the city within the city where God can begin to move. And I'm telling you, my friends, it is going to be as he has written down. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The best part about this, my friends, is it's true. Hmm? You understand? It's true. And we now put in our hand to say, Father, let it be unto me according to your word, because he surely has said yes to you. But my Bible tells me the other bookend is you say, amen. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. So let me leave you with this as you go into your private practice room. John 15, 1 through 10, and then I'll be done. Jesus says to you, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. Only by being joined to the vine can you do anything. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure, new harvest, the harvest is sure to be abundant separated, you can't produce a thing. This is how my father shows who he is when you produce, when you mature as disciples. Make yourself at home in my love. Now, Father, I thank you that I have released, Father, your word. You're going to be able, Father, to move with your sons in this hour. I thank you for it, Father. In the power of Jesus' name. Now, I just want to close with this one quote. 
from Richard Foster that says, In our day, heaven and earth are on tiptoe, waiting for the emergence, the manifestation of a spirit-led, spirit-intoxicated, spirit-empowered people. All of creation watches expectantly for the springing up of a disciplined, freely gathered, martyr people who know in this life the life and power of the kingdom of God. It has happened before. It can happen again. I pray, my friends, that it happens right here at New Harvest Church, Clewiston, Florida, the citadel, the citadel of God. In Jesus' name, thank you so much for your attention, and I pray that you will be responsive to God. In Jesus' name, thank you so much for letting me be a friend to your destiny this weekend. Thank you, Pastor Chuck. Thank you.